Welcome to another episode of Not So Gentle Reminder. I am Dr. Christina, a board-certified pediatric emergency medicine doc. And I'm Dr. Vicki, a board-certified neonatal intensivist. We are friends and pediatricians who survived our training to become skilled but salty physicians. We are excited to share with you our evidence-based take on important pediatric topics. We are going to do a lot of myth-busting with this episode. Hopefully hopefully, about what to do with sunburn. There's a lot to cover here. A lot of very interesting choices that people make. Yeah. And one of my favorite choices that people make is putting weird stuff on top of a sunburn. What's the weirdest thing that you've seen put on top of a sunburn? A lot of food products are used. That's actually really common. And one of the weirder ones that I've seen was probably mayonnaise. And I love mayonnaise. It's probably my number one condiment. But from a utility and sunburn, I can't say I would find it particularly helpful. What about you? I mean, if it's been in the fridge, I think that's reasonable. There's a lot of butter that I saw in residency. For me, it is the tomato. I'm not pro-tomato. I tolerate them. We're neutral parties towards each other. This business of tomato season doesn't speak to me, so I don't know which variety. I don't know if it was plum. I don't know if it was New Jersey. Only heirloom tomato. Can you imagine if it was just grape tomatoes on top of the skin? I don't know. There's no better or worse here. Tomato's acidic, I can tell you that. So this is not a strategy I would recommend. But there is this food product interest in laying atop a sunburn. What is up with that? Is there evidence for this? What are people doing? There is not a lot of good evidence here. Since the priority in sunburn is symptom control, a lot of people are really fixated on food products because they come out of your refrigerator, so are potentially cooling. But then when you look at the data behind it, really the only thing that has any evidence is oatmeal or the colloidal oatmeal, which Avino very much makes their market on this. And it can be really helpful for the itching and the burning sensation. Yeah. But aside from that... A lot of the other explanations for a whole laundry list, a whole refrigerator's worth, excuse me. There you go. Of food products really doesn't bear out. Milk, olive oil, yogurt, all sorts of things, really any of the condiments, I would not recommend smearing that all over your child's sunburn. It's not going to be super helpful. Can you imagine mustard? I'm a mustard hater in general, even more than tomatoes. That sounds like it would just be so painful. But mustard comes up a lot in the farmer's almanacs, especially in the small New England communities. It's it's listed in the farmer's almanac. I actually saw it at one of the farmer's markets that I was at, specifically mustard. For sunburn use. For sunburn use. Both sunburn as well as a thermal burn. Everyone loves the mustard. The farmers love the mustard. (laughs) The one thing that I do want to be very specific about, a trend that I noticed when I was looking into the different food products and different topical treatments for sunburn is people are also very fixated on somehow altering the pH of your skin. Not just your skin, everything. There's diets for this, as if you could. As if you could. When you actually look at the evidence for this, our bodies are very adept at managing the acid-base balance all by their onesies and putting apple cider vinegar or other types of vinegar in your bath and then lowering your sunburnt child into it, not recommended. Putting baking soda into your bath and lowering your sunburnt child into it. Also, please don't. We do not recommend this at all. Yeah. Your body, I would say, is not even just good at this. It's obsessed with this. Even the most tiny changes in pH throw everything off. But maybe we should talk less about what things in the pantry I hate, such as tomatoes and mustard. 
recommended for no situations from me for many a delicious sandwich by others. I'm with you on Team Mayo. But perhaps we should talk a bit about what is the sunburn in general besides not a sandwich and not a refrigerator clean out occasion. Definitely a good starting point. A sunburn is the damage related to the UV exposure to the skin. So as you have both UVA and UVB penetration into the skin, a couple of things happen. What you then see on the surface of the skin usually is a lot of redness, swelling, inflammation. That is actually something you can see with your eyes underneath the surface. What is also happening is there can be the damage to the DNA of your skin cells. And this is where we start talking about photoaging and different risks for skin cancer. Tanning is when you have an increase in melanin production. It's actually a protective mechanism that your body is trying to do, but this is another way that your body is showing that you are getting an excess of UV exposure to the skin. That DNA damage is nothing to sneeze at. A sunburn is not just getting a little bit pink, and your response to it should be respectful of that ongoing injury and injury potential. So there is a thought of maybe just putting on a bit more sunscreen and toughing it out, and this is definitely the kind of thing that is appealing if you're out on the beach with your kids or at a sporting event, but the first recommendation is not just putting on a shirt or reapplying sunscreen. It's to get out of the place that is causing damage. So get out if you can of the sun. If you can't go inside, which is my number one favorite recommendation to give to everybody for every indication, go inside, find a kitten, stay there. Abandon the nature. Get out of there. Forget the nature. Go inside. But if you can't do that, get in the shade. Get away from the sun as best you can so that you're not getting that ongoing injury and that ongoing DNA damage. Try to get somewhere cooler if you at all can. A shower or bath is not a bad thing to do, but be gentle with your skin in there. Try to lower that temperature and stop any additional injury on top of that. This will remain your favorite recommendation to give for this whole episode. For my life, I love telling people to stay indoors. That's not why I work with newborn vulnerable babies, but it is when I get to give a lot. Stay indoors. It's it's up there. It's up there. So after you followed Dr. Vicky's recommendation of going inside, abandoning nature, abandoning the beach, then what comes next? And the next recommendations have a lot to do with topical treatments or treatments that you put on the surface of your skin. And there is one particular test that they use to judge how effective these topical treatments are. And this test is called the UV erythema test. It's very simple. It is as low budget as you think. You first irradiate with a specific dose of UVB radiation. You create a little red patch on first an animal's back and then a healthy volunteer's back. I know. I know. Also bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. Can't you just know? Can't you use a computer? You can't know, unfortunately. But you have a red patch to reproduce the sensation of a sunburn, and then we smear all sorts of different things and see how effective they are at reducing the redness, reducing the discomfort, that sort of thing. One of the number one things that comes up is aloe vera, probably universally. In terms of deciding whether or not this is helpful, it really depends on your definition of helpful. Helpful in that it will provide cooling, and there are some very mild anti-inflammatory properties when they've studied it specifically with the erythema test. 
but it won't heal the sunburn faster. So it won't make it go away faster. It won't make the damage go away faster. So while it will make you feel better, it isn't meaningfully changing how your skin is healing. Okay. So it's got kind of this anesthetizing property because it's cooling, but not necessarily healing. Interesting. I thought it was just going to cure everything. At least that's how I grew up. Smear that thing on. You just had the big jar that you broke out every summer. I do remember a summer actually where we used to have the very large pump bottle. Yeah. It's always neon green because how else are you going to know yeah. that it's from a plant if it's not a really vibrant green? Yeah. But at one point, I think it's always my grandmother. My grandmother went through a phase where she was buying the actual aloe vera plant. Oh, there was a summer where this was a thing where you didn't want to get it from the store. You wanted it from nature. Yeah, you wanted no vehicle to dilute the efficacy. So you would get the giant aloe vera plants, which are actually very pointy if you've ever seen one. And then you would skin it, put it in your blender and make your own aloe vera slurry. This sounds like it smelled bad. I can't say that that was more effective. This sounds like a workout to me. This isn't the kind of thing I'm trying to get into in my kitchen. I'm back. I'm I'm team tomato. If it's that kind of extraction or a tomato, I'm team tomato, which is not a sentence I'm ever going to co-sign to again. All right. So aloe vera, okay. Cooling. And that's cooling. 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 Yeah. Points for cooling. I think that's helpful definitely when you're feeling like you're burning out. But some of the aloe vera relatives, as I like to think of them, fall into that essential oil bucket, which is a big potentially MLM scheme and also a source of great interest for lots of different kinds of communities over the past couple of years. But the answer is they are not an amazing way to make lots of money and they are not an amazing way to treat sunburn either. There's all sorts of ones that have been discussed and they may have some ingredients that theoretically can help, but basically there's not evidence of their success. So if it brings you joy, much like blending up yield aloe vera does, I guess you can, but that's not where our recommendations will go. So at the same time that everybody was like, get your green jar of aloe vera, they were also saying potentially don't moisturize, right? This is another grandmotherism that you grew up with. It is. Your grandmother is an important person that I respect a lot, but somehow her sunscreen beliefs. She had a lot of opinions. I'll just say that. Um, And shared She should have listened to Katie's episodes. She should have listened to Dr. Warner's episodes for sure. Before we move on to tearing down one of my grandmotherisms all over again, when we are talking about essential oils not being helpful, this again is when they have tested it using that same UV erythema test. Right. Objectively, not just qualitatively polling people. Do you think it helped? Somebody will always say something helped. There's a lot of cognitive biases that play into that. And there's a lot of strong beliefs that people have about the power of things and the placebo effect, which is a really huge effect, but none of those stand up to the UV erythema test. Correct. Essential test. Moving on now to my grandmother's opinions about using a moisturizer, I was always told that initially in that first 24 hours after you have a sunburn to never, ever put moisturizer on it because you are going to trap the heat in and make the sunburn worse. What I love about this bit of advice is that it contains several keywords. Never. Never. Love a never. 24 hours, right? Right. That's what I love. Yeah, exactly. 24 hours because at 25 hours, go ape. Put that moisturizer on, slick yourself up, live a little. But until that little stopwatch goes off, none for you. None for you. I love this advice. The moral of the story is this was false. This was, in fact, a fiction. You 
want to moisturize pretty heavily throughout all stages of the healing process. If you really want to split hairs, the occlusive type ointments or petroleum-based or oil-based ointments. So which ones, like Vaseline and Aquaphor? Aquaphor, no, because Aquaphor actually contains a number of other non-petroleum-based emollients, but straight up Vaseline, it won't make it worse. It certainly won't worsen the skin damage as long as you are not smearing it on and then going right back out into the sun. It won't make it worse, but in general, early on, those higher emollient aquaphors, anything non-scented, non-perfumed, that is very beneficial. It will not trap heat in the skin. The occlusive barriers might make you feel worse just because you're not able to dissipate the heat quite as easily, but it's not damaging anything further. The next question that comes up, you might have a delightful mix of not just red skin. It might also be blistered. It might also have all sorts of things. And then what do you do with the blister? Do you smear it on top of the blister? Do you get rid of the blister? I mean, I can tell you what I do and I can tell you what I should do. I have a hard time leaving a blister in its natural state. You are not alone. It takes an extraordinary amount of willpower for me. You are not alone. I'm in good company with this. I would not use the vigorous smearing, as you said it, action of applying a moisturizer to unroof the blister. And in general, blister contents in there are safe and sterile in their little space. So it's best not to unroof them and expose them to the germies and the violence of the world. Leave it be. You do not need to open or exfoliate them. Do not be like me. Leave the blister alone. And if it pops, it's not your fault. It happens. Remember that a blister is a bit of a more serious burn than just that regular pink coloring all the way through. It's not necessarily a first degree, second degree. I don't really know how those degrees are helpful to people. It's essentially a thicker burn down lower into the skin than just that first layer of pinkness. Well, to to lift off, you have to hit not just that top layer to then- That's making that little dome, yeah. Exactly. So if you think of your skin as a layer cake- I don't like actually comparing body things to food products, so I'm going to take that back. Food is all over this episode in a way that's not making me hungry, and that is really telling. No. All food discussion usually makes me hungry. Let's think about it like geology then, the layers of of rock. Okay. We'll take a hard right away from the food. All right. If you just have the redness, it might just be that top layer where you have the soil, where you have the foliage, all of that good stuff. If you blister, you have to hit at least that second layer down. So the first one to is make lifting that space. off. Exactly. And creating that potential space. So it's definitely a deeper burn. So leave the burns alone. <laughs> I'll repeat that for you, Vicky. Leave your burn leave your blisters alone. Oh, all my blisters, not just my burns. Okay. All I'll, the blisters. I've been trying for a long time to get better at this. I will continue to try. It's very tempting. It is. And while we are full force pitching, moisturizing, and lots of slathering being involved, there is one particular slather that we actually don't recommend. In addition to the essential oil. In addition more, to the essential oil. More unrecommended slathering, which is what? These are things that contain numbing agents. Okay. There are a couple over-the-counter ones that contain small percentages of benzocaine. Okay. There are other prescription versions that contain higher percentages of benzocaine or lidocaine or other Uh topical anesthetics. And we do not recommend these at all. They're usually not helpful. The penetration into the skin and also the treatment 
if you're using the UV erythema test, it has not been shown to have a lot of assistance. The other problem is a high percentage of people actually will have allergic reactions to these types of creams. So not only will you be a lobster, but you will also then have an allergic reaction. And be and red everywhere else now. Extra. Yeah. Lucky you. And, and just feel really good, really good all around. So moisturizers that don't have perfumes or dyes, nothing that has a numbing agent in it, leave those blisters alone. Close the pantry. Don't put in the numbing agent moisturizers. But you should have pain control. This is painful Definitely. stuff, even if you're not lifting your blisters up illegally, like I have been known once or twice to do in my life. Control that pain. How are you going to do it? There are some evidence-based recommendations for pain control. NSAIDs, so when we think of NSAIDs, you can definitely use ibuprofen to help get rid of some of that pain. You can take that same dose as you would for fever with 10 milligrams per kilo every six hours for your kid to start. They will help take down some of that inflammation and they will get rid of some of that pain. Really nice to have that anti-inflammatory and pain relieving action. And then the other thing you can do is steroid cream. This is not something to use a high percentage of. This is not something to use forever. Those can have effects on the skin. What you want is a lower dose one for a shorter period of time. So for the first 24 to 36 hours, love a time-limited recommendation at hour 37. Go nuts. You're on your own. That might help decrease the pain and the swelling. And those have been studied and found to be helpful in this situation. And those can be applied to the burn. And they are often a gentle feeling cream as well. Both of these recommendations are specifically going after that inflammatory component of a sunburn. So you are doing it from inside with the oral medications like ibuprofen. And then if you are trying to do it from a topical or on the surface of the skin, it's the steroid creams. We have just covered a lot of things about what to do after you have a sunburn, but there are a lot of myths related to preventing a sunburn as well that aren't just related to the types of sunscreen. And we're going to go back to the pantry. Tell me that tomatoes do not prevent sunburn. I will just hang up on you right now. That is so upsetting. Stop putting tomatoes forward so much. There's an argument that people make about tomatoes and the lycopene You're that's kidding. in tomatoes being an effective antioxidant that will prevent you from getting a sunburn. So we're back to the tomato. Not mustard too. Uh, mustard actually wasn't on the list. Oh, thank God. Oh. At least I won that but round. Who knows? But who knows? Maybe it was just an not comprehensive list. Maybe I did not include the most comprehensive search. Just like the list of things to put on top of a sunburn, we will also include a list of things that people have suggested would be helpful to create a natural barrier. So using your diet to have a more natural and holistic barrier to your skin to prevent the photoaging. This is very different than the sunscreen pills that we covered with Dr. Warner. With our buddy, what is it? Podipodium leucotomus? What was it? Polypodium? Yeah, polypodium leucotomus. Polypodium leucotomus. In this, a lot of them are going to be the antioxidant greatest hits. It's You could probably list them yourselves. Some of the anti-inflammatory things like turmeric and a whole other host. Coconut oil had a big moment. Mm -hmm. I'm sure blueberries are on there. It's all the things I like to put in my smoothie. Exactly. Exactly. But you probably- That smoothie's not preventing exactly. sunburn is what you're trying to tell me. It just makes me feel good. You have come to the appropriate conclusion that your smoothie is delicious, but you also need to be using sunscreen at the same time. Fair enough. After we have clarified that eating your sunscreen is in fact not possible- what are you going to do? You're planning your beach vacation. Stay inside. Stay inside. All right. That one works. Works every time unless you're at a big old window, which 
I also avoid, but others I understand don't. Here's something that will not work, getting a base tan. This is all another thing that's all over the internet, right? When you're reading about all these antioxidants, people are saying get a base tan. Pre-tanning or base tans, the assumption is being made, like we talked about earlier, very dark-skinned individuals have a higher natural SPF that is likely related to the melanin, but that is natural melanin that has not been caused as a response to UV exposure. When you think about a base tan, it's melanin overproduction as you're doing damage and then you're tanning. The dermatology community has been pretty consistent on trying their best to discourage this. I think the only safe base tan is maybe spray or creams, but not ones that are actually changing the color of the skin itself. A lot of people use tanning beds to achieve their base tan, and this is very much a no-no. The American Academy of Pediatrics is strongly against this use, especially in adolescents. Exactly. No, you cannot use your diet to make your body less sunburnable. No, you cannot pre-tan your body into being less sunburnable. And then last but not least, I don't know if you saw this at all over the summer. You read a lot about sunscreen, so I'd be surprised if it wasn't the case. But there was huge drama this summer when a sunscreen company recalled a bunch of their sunscreen saying that it caused cancer. Did you see that at all? I vaguely remember this. All of a sudden, I had this moment of reckoning where I had to open and take a look at all my sunscreen, but I don't think I ever let go of any. What was the deal? One company started, but then multiple companies got involved when they were all doing independent testing. The company that is the umbrella for Banana Boat found that some of their sunscreen contains something called benzene. No way. Yeah. Oh boy. Anything that is called benzene, there's a Z. Zs are used for most chemical things. And they were thinking that it came as a result of the propellant because this was specifically in one of their spray sunscreens. Huge problem. Benzene, like the cancer-causing mothball chemical scourge of many a grandma addict. Definitely not your grandma. We've hated on her enough in this episode. She's a wonderful person. Many a scourge also of a medical student test where these routinely come up and make you think of the worst cancers as a result of this. So things that are found definitely in gasoline and its ilk, diesel engines and their exhaust, industrial emissions, and secondhand smoke. It's one of the baddies, definitely a well-documented carcinogen. This was in the spray sunscreen for banana boat. That's a bad look. It is exactly that benzene. That's the one. And what they found in it is the FDA requirement is the only level of benzene that's appropriate is two parts per million and lower. So in the banana boat sunscreen, what they found was 2.78 to 6.26 parts per million benzene. Very precisely. Very precisely. And what does that mean? That's a great question. This is what was left to the consumer. What was told to everyone was there is cancer-causing agents in the sunscreen that you're using to prevent cancer. What are you going to do? Here's the problem. Some real mixed messaging there. A lot of mixed messaging. And we're actually not sure what that amount of benzene would do. Most of the research that's related to cancer risk, specifically blood cancers, a lot of leukemias and lymphomas are from very high-risk occupational groups. So people who are involved in manufacturing People who are involved in transporting and dispensing gasoline and crude oil, they have extensive exposure to benzene. It's a part of their work environment. Hmm. So how are you comparing research based on those people to people who might be using a spray sunscreen out in nature while they're at the beach? Is this then causing cancer? 
I don't know. I guess it depends on how big your bottle is and how big of a whiff in you take when you spray and how often you reapply. Hard to know. I have to give this company credit and then a lot of the other sunscreen companies credit. They voluntarily issued a recall for any sunscreen that found benzene. And then across the board, actually, we're doing a lot of testing to figure out which ones were safe and which ones were unsafe. Luckily, 71% of sunscreens had no benzene at all. So sorry about the other 29. Sorry about the other 29. But Mm. at least they all voluntarily pulled their products from the shelves and did very thorough testing to make sure that they were trying to reduce the cancer risk that was coming directly from this product that's supposed to help prevent cancer. I wonder how propellants in other things like perfume, not the typical atomizer, but that and bug spray. Like, sorry to bring it to the bathroom, but air freshener spray, that thing is a propellant and you sometimes do want to take a big whiff of it to even things out. So I, yeah, I don't see the air freshener industry responding as vigorously as the sunscreen folks and I challenge them to. We're not sponsored by any air fresheners on this. No, no, we'll put a pin in it. Febreze, don't come for us. Don't come for us. We respect you. I think you're great. And those are the last myths about sunscreen prevention. Sunscreen, in fact, is beneficial. Please wear your sunscreen. And it is not found in your pantry, despite my smoothie attempts, despite the tomatoes of my medical training, and despite all the essential oil claims. Stick to what is evidence-based if you can. So shall we recap those evidence-based recommendations? Let's do it. So we are going to sum up this episode of what to do with a sunburn with a few not-so-gentle reminders and practical tips. Number one, advice of my life and the number one not-so-gentle reminder, stay indoors. And if you can't stay indoors and you got a sunburn, get back indoors where it's safe. Prevention is the priority. Definitely apply and use and reapply your sunscreen and use sun protective clothing. Number two, for those of us who like to be out in nature, is once the burn happens, unfortunately, this is a time to get out of the sun. Get out of the sun, cool your skin down. And you can try cooling your skin down with aloe vera, but that won't provide any pain relief, though it will cool you. And it won't necessarily treat the burn, but what will treat the burn are taking pain medications like some ibuprofen or some steroid creams and trying to use some nice moisturizing agents on your skin, whether it be blistered or unblistered. And since the first not-so-gentle reminder was focused on the fact, stay indoors, (laughs) I'm going to just put that aside because some of us like nature and like being outside. But since prevention is always going to be our priority here, let us help you choose which sunscreens are best for your child. We have a list of pediatric dermatologist recommended sunscreens on our website from Dr. Warner. And if you also want to hear a lot more about concepts behind sun protection, please listen to the prior two episodes and our very extensive discussion with Dr. Warner. But these are dermatologists recommended. They will be super helpful. So focus on that prevention as well. Thank you so much for listening. We would love it if you subscribed and left us a five-star review. We do want this to be helpful to you. So we are very excited to hear your feedback. Yeah, give us that feedback by emailing us at notsogentlereminder at gmail.com. You can DM us on the gram. Tell us what's in your smoothie at notsogentlereminder. You can call us at 917-426-6908. 
tell us what else you'd like us to cover, any questions you have, any products you want us to review, or how we can make this better for you. See our show notes for links, especially to that list of sunscreens to make your life a little bit easier, and our website, notsogentlereminder.com, for a list of things in your pantry that won't help you and for episode transcripts. Now that we're 10 episodes in, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back for more later in the fall. We are very thankful for your attention and can't wait to continue. So stay tuned for when we come back. And here comes our disclaimer. Although we are doctors, we're not your doctors. This podcast does not represent the opinions of our employers. It is purely for education and entertainment. Every child and every family is unique. If you're experiencing a medical emergency, please call 911. If you have specific questions about the care of your child, please be in touch with their doctor. Mm-hmm.